Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Jan Simard, the CEO of Cognitive Spark. He's designed and led many innovative business ventures through his own startups. He also has extensive professional experience with companies such as CGI, ZapTap, Vision Coaching, AIS, Insight Wellness, Bell Canada, Industrial Alliance, and more. I'm just going to read this quick quote from Jan. We believe that mixed and augmented reality, if used right, can not only allow frontline and field workers to stay relevant, but make them more crucial than ever before. With that, I'd like to welcome Jan and it's cognitivespark.com, spelled with a K. Jan, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. It's my absolute pleasure to have you, and I can't wait to dive in here. Maybe just give us a 10,000-foot view of Cognitive Spark and the great work you guys are doing there. Yeah, so at Cognitive Spark, we uh, do uh, mixed reality communication technology to uh, better provide support to uh, remote field workers. Our product is called Remote Spark. Uh, It's an application that's been optimized for the Microsoft HoloLens platform. In a nutshell, what it does, uh, if you have a field worker that is facing a piece of equipment that stopped working and that worker doesn't know what to do, that worker can put on the HoloLens, start Remote Spark and communicate with let's say, an engineer at the head office that can help out. Uh, The engineer through a computer is able to see in real time what the worker is seeing. They can talk to the person, but they can also provide 3D holographic guidance on top of things. So as an example, if they have a 3D CAD file that could help the the worker figure out what are the steps that need to be done to perform a repair, the expert can drag and drop that on the computer side of things, and the CAD file is going to show up as a 3D hologram in the field of view of the worker so that the worker can perform the repair. So if a field worker is either in a factory or a warehouse and they're, they're looking at a machine, the machine breaks, why don't they just pick up the phone? Yeah, and uh, well, most of the time that's what they do right now. The problem with phones or even uh, tablet-based chat systems uh, or phone-based ones is that you have to hold something in your hand so you can do the repair or the, the process or the task that you have to do at the same time as you're getting the information and the knowledge. So it's always a two-step process. With mixed reality, they can just do it all together at the same time. So they're doing the work, they have their hands greasy and dirty, and uh, they're getting the knowledge at the same time. So it's much more efficient. And also, uh, there are many studies that show that in terms of knowledge retention, it's about 80-85% higher when you learn about uh, a given task at the same time as you're doing it with your hands. If you look at this from an ROI standpoint, what is the investment to get started with Cognitive Spark? Obviously, you need a HoloLens, so that's, you call it $3,500. And then what else do you need after that? Yeah, so our, our service is a software as a service one, uh, and uh, we have two uh, offerings. One is on public cloud. The other one is on private cloud. Uh, most of the time, we sell the public cloud version of it. It's a yearly fee of, uh, of $6,000 a year, Canadian. Uh, to activate one whole lens unit. So you can have as many remote experts as you want on the computer, but uh, our our economic basis is the whole lens unit. Great. And then so somebody signs up, they they pay their, their thing. What is the onboarding, I guess? How do people get started with this? Is it out of the box, ready to go, or how does it work? Yeah, when it comes to uh, deploying uh, with a, a customer, uh, the technology side is very easy. Our application is available uh, through the Microsoft Store, and we can activate uh, the licenses remotely. The, the ramp up is really getting used to mixed reality in general, and then our app. So uh, I would say uh, our experience shows that uh, typically user is ready to go within 30 minutes. 
And I'm talking about somebody who has no experience whatsoever about mixed reality or the whole lens to the point where they're comfortable enough to get in the field and try it out. That's fantastic. So now do you, do you go into the field as well and, and work with these people to get this up and running? Or is it just a software as a service, buy it and that's it, you're on your own? We don't have to go. Uh, we tend to like to go when we have a chance. Uh, and uh, the reason why is that we've discovered that to make our customers successful in the long run, typically if we're very hands-on, very involved at the beginning, uh, helping them out figure out their 3D holographic strategies uh, and mixed reality strategies, it, it, it sets them up on the right foot for future success. So we typically try to get involved, especially if a customer is doing a proof of concept with us or something like that. We just get there on the ground when, whenever we can, or we are, we're just very supportive as well uh, remotely. And uh, then after that, they're all set to, to scale and grow with us, which is great. How many deployments have you done of this, or, or is this a new thing? Like, when did you start doing this? So we launched the alpha version of Remote Spark in the, the fall of 2017. I'm not going to disclose the number of uh, active customers we have, but uh, it's uh, tens, uh, tens of different customers in North America, Europe, and uh, Asia. We tend to work with Fortune 500 companies, as well as uh, some uh, small and medium businesses. Uh, and uh, the, the initial deployments we do are always proof of concepts or pilots, uh, but there's always that vision to scale to uh, hundreds or thousands of units uh, over a period of, I would say, one to two years. You're perfectly timed and situated for that because I'm assuming, and, and we'll talk more about this in the, in the podcast, that the benefits of using Cognitive Spark over, uh, let's say, phoning it in or whatever like that, I think the, the benefits are probably quite measurable and quite substantial. How do you measure success for a company? How do you prove them the ROI? Yeah, the, the ROI in our case uh, is uh, fairly easy. So uh, customers buy our product for three reasons. The first one is they want to cut down on equipment downtime. And that's typically very quantifiable. And also you can train, translate that into dollars. Your typical industrial use case, any hour of downtime is going to cost thousands of not ten, tens of thousands of dollars. The, uh, the other thing that we sell on is that uh, when we're saving experts the trouble of, of uh, traveling on site to do troubleshooting, it also has a very direct impact on the bottom line. So we saved a pure travel cost as well, but also that expert now has more time to devote to high value add tasks, such as helping people out, figure out what's going on instead of traveling. This one is less quantifiable. Uh, companies get to, to take the uh, industry 4.0 journey and get going. And they find that uh, using Remote Spark is kind of a great way to get started with mixed reality with something that they can still sell to the CFO and to the procurement uh, team. And uh, they will say, okay, so that makes sense. It's not only uh, wishful thinking, there's actually an, an ROI right from the get-go. Great reasons to buy. One, cutting down downtime. I mean, that one alone if a machine's down for a day, depending on the machine, but you're talking in the tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of dollars. And I know one of the customers or a couple of the customers that you have are in the defense and military sectors. These could be life or death scenarios. So definitely cutting the downtime to a fraction is, is a huge measurable ROI. And I think also it encourages brands and companies to really be pushing the limits. This technology is not really that new anymore. We've been using, uh, HoloLens came out five years or four years ago, 
And so now it's, it's becoming mainstream. I almost feel that we're getting to that point where if companies don't use this technology, they are seen as laggards. Is that what you're seeing in the field? I, I think there's a growing sense that they have to do something. And uh, one of the things that uh, we like to tell customers that are kind of hesitant, that, that prefer sometimes to be smart followers, uh, is that there's a cost to, uh, to not getting started now. And the, the cost of not getting started is, is to not be ready for when these things go mainstream. Because we have to think that the technology is now getting fairly mature. What is not mature is how it impacts the, the way people are running their businesses, how it changes the process uh, that a worker is, is going in day in, day out. So that takes time to figure out. And to be able to start now, uh, do a solid proof of concepts, learn from them, it gets uh, organizations ready for when uh, the tide uh, comes and uh, when everybody will have to do it because uh, they will lose uh, their competitive advantage if they don't. So I think you're right. There's, a, there's that growing awareness that they have to do it now. Yeah, there's a groundswell coming. And the interesting thing about the timing of this is that you've been working on this. You, you said you launched 2017, your alpha, and you've already got two years into this. And you guys have presumably made a lot of mistakes, which you know we all do in technology. You build something, you go, oh, that didn't work. And having that, uh, that experience of working with customers from the early days, I think is going to really position you guys uh, quite comfortably as you move into this. Like you're looking at this from boots on the ground. You're seeing companies start to work with it. We're in Canada, so we're, we're a fast follow nation in general. We see America do something and then we wait. But um, being in Canada, it's, it's much more difficult to sell these concepts in, but you've managed to do that. What are your timelines around seeing the mainstream adoption, in, not, not in consumer, but in the industrial world? What do you think that we're looking at timelines before this is in every company? I think people will start hearing about that in pretty much any big industrial company within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, and I think one of the triggers of that is the whole ends too. I really believe that the form factor of that new device and its performance uh, will make it uh, interesting for more companies to do it. Now, it's not going to be a scale within that time frame. don't get me wrong, but it's going to be that awareness phase where the everyday industrial worker will be aware that some guys sometimes are just walking around with those weird glasses on their heads. And uh, if you had another 12 to 18 months, that's probably when uh, it's going to become just normal to see people with mixed reality glasses on their heads. At least in the industrial world, as you said. So yeah, consumer is going to take uh, probably uh, more time. And uh, I don't think there's uh, yet any compelling use case for that on the consumer side. On the industrial side, it's quite different. So let's say 2020 and 2021, the awareness starts to build, the ground swells there, people start wearing these headsets. 2021, 22, 23, we start to see this kind of mainstream adoption within enterprise. And then 2023, kind of beyond, is nobody really can, can see out that far at this point, but look at 2023, 4, 5, 6. That's, I think, where it'll trickle down to the consumer. Being in that enterprise, you're working with military, you're working with defense, you're working with industrial. One of the videos on your website really blew my mind. It was a, a huge room-sized centrifuge. Do you want to talk about how that's being used? Well, in, in, that, in that video, uh, what we show showcase is, uh, is our typical use case. So you have a very complex piece of equipment. In that case, it's the, the largest uh, 
Geotechnical Centrifuge in Canada, which is in Newfoundland. So massively complex piece of equipment. Uh, the, the subject matter experts and the OEMs are all across the world. So some are in Germany, in France, and so on. So when that thing uh, decides to not cooperate and uh, breaks down, uh, well, it, it can take weeks to get the right expert to, uh, to address the problem. Now, uh, with something like Remote Spark, you can have the, the technician on site wearing the whole lens, and you can have any subject matter expert anywhere in the world, even in other companies that are able to help them out uh, in a timely fashion. It can take situations that would take weeks to address and cut them down, sometimes in a matter of hours. I, I had a chance of speaking with um, with Shelley Peterson from Lockheed Martin, and they're using the HoloLens almost in the exact same way. They put on the HoloLens, they're able to see step-by-step instructions with 3D objects overlaid over to the real world, and they're able to have the hands-free. Now, one of the things that she was saying that on their original trials, they actually reduced the uh, time to do the task by 99%. And then they, they obviously being a big company, they went, that doesn't make sense. So they ran the test again and they ran it again and again. And the average was 85% reduction in, uh, in times to completion of task. And if you think about it, if you're assembling, let's say, for example, a jet engine or a centrifuge and you're looking at it and you've got a paper manual and page by page, you have to flip the page, look at the manual, go over, pick up the screw, put it in, lock the bolt in. Go back to the page, check it off that you did it, <laughs> next page. And so one by one, you can do that. Uh, and that takes a long time. But when you put on the HoloLens, not only are you able to then get the instructions and fix it, but it's also able to capture photos and videos of you doing that for the, either future manuals or even just a record of the repair. You guys have that ability to capture that as well. How is that being used, that kind of expert capture? Yeah, well, it, it's it's used in many ways. It might be uh, about producing artifacts to uh, to document an inspection. Uh, it can be uh, sometimes uh, if you uh, we can take a picture of the video uh, of what the worker is looking at, annotate that on the computer side of things, so so the expert side, and then the annotated picture shows up in three D at the other end. So it's all about really empowering the worker to do the job right the first time every time, and uh, you know in the examples you gave, and I think that's what we're seeing as well. Uh, sometimes it's about empowering a technician that just doesn't have the knowledge uh, on how to do a repair to be able to do it. Uh, and I can give an example. We have a customer in the U.S. Uh, it's a large utility. They have uh, a certain type of furnace. So it's a blast furnace that is, is quite widely used in their business and it breaks down quite often. The repair itself is not super complicated to do, but the people that know how to do it are not that many. So uh, they built a, a CAD file and a 3D model that has the embedded process on, on how to perform that repair. So if something goes wrong with that furnace, any technician that has access to a, a toolbox and is reasonably good with their hands, they can go there, follow the step-by-step animation and do the repair. So in that case, you know, you were talking about the reduction on troubleshooting and on, on task performance. That's where it comes from. It's allowing the person that would not otherwise be able to do it to do the job. I think as we move into a time where more and more people are retiring from the workforce, the average workforce is in their 50s now, and more and more experts are retiring, there's got to be a way for us to, uh, to capture that knowledge and then transfer it to younger generations. So I think this is a great way of doing that. What are some other ways that this technology is being used? Is there any companies that are using this in ways that you didn't anticipate? 
Uh, yeah, sure. We get all kinds of requests all the time. So we sell mostly in uh, defense, aerospace, energy, utilities, oil and gas, uh, manufacturing, industrial engineering. So it's, it's a fairly broad field. Uh, but we may get requests every now and then that are just outside of what we normally do. So uh, our technology, as, as an example, is, is used to, uh, to perform repairs in the Canadian Arctic uh, in very remote locations that happen to have internet connectivity. Uh, we've been approached as well for remote medicine. So how to help a nurse uh, in uh, Labrador assess a, a patient and, uh, and uh, help a patient provide care with the help of, of an expert, maybe in Toronto or, um, or so, somewhere down south. So there was another one that I can mention, yeah. uh, and actually this one that we're building it with a, a partner. So uh, using remote spark, we'll be able to allow uh, uh, workers in uh, nuclear plants to be able to, uh, when they go in the room that is exposed to radiation, be able to see a radiation cone coming out of a hole in the wall where radiation is coming from. So that helps the worker uh, behave more safely, make sure that they do whatever they have to do with getting uh, as little exposure as possible. Is that a partnership with uh, with Vice uh, from Packet Thirty Nine? No, sorry, this one it's a partnership with Canadian Nuclear Labs. Oh, because there's a, a gentleman I'm interviewing him later this afternoon that has built a Hololens cone of radiation. So I'll make an introduction. <laughs> What are the odds that we get two people working on nuclear visualizations in one day? Yeah, well, it's one of those fields uh, where there are plenty of uh, very compelling use cases and where uh, really worker safety is at, is at risk. So um, any chance we have to make it a little safer and a bit more efficient for workers, it's always worth it. I'm going to switch directions a little bit here. What are some of the analytics you're able to, to gather around this? So for example, I'm fixing a machine. How, how do you measure before I use the cognitive spark system and after what do you what do you do from like an a b testing so that you can say to our customers hey we've improved your process by x percent yeah we typically uh, try to establish a baseline with uh, all the customers we're using especially if they're running a, a pilot where uh, they have to demonstrate a certain kpi to be able to get further budget the way we do it we we try to see if they have data uh, in an erp system or a work order processing system of some kind they may have an IoT platform as well. So we can connect with the, those platforms. As an example, if you have a, an ERP system that gener that's generating the work orders, it will typically include a component about uh, time to resolution or completion time and so on. So we can connect to those systems. So then when the work order is open, uh, the worker is on site, the work order it might be displayed in Remote Spark. They do whatever they have to do and then they mark it complete. So in that case, it's a very quick way of showing that for a certain category of tasks, if you run it a number of times, you'll be able to demonstrate as a percentage what's the improvement. And we kind of have to customize that each time we work with a customer. So sometimes they don't have such a system. It's more tracked uh, you know, in an Excel spreadsheet or, or things like that. Uh, but we always try to make sure that we understand what, we're, what they're trying to achieve. And again, it's time to resolution, cutting down equipment downtime, cutting down on travel for experts. That's our bread and butter, really. Travel time is a huge one as well. The first time I heard about this this being used, they were explaining how a machine will go down and they'll fly in two experts from Germany to fix this machine. It was a specific mining machine. And they say, you know, it takes two days for them to get there. 
machines down for a day before they even get there. Then it takes two days to get there. Then they spend a day repairing it and then they fly back. And so the whole process is, you know, four days or five days, but three of those days is downtime for this machine. And they said every day of downtime is $150,000. And I mean, that's, I, I'm assuming in certain, um, you know, in, in oil and gas and manufacturing and nuclear, that can range from tens of thousands of day to millions a, a day in downtime and productivity. Not to mention just the travel costs alone of flying two people from Germany, that's in the tens of thousands of dollars plus their time. So the cost savings in one downtime repair more than pay for your your six thousand dollars a year license plus through three thousand dollars for the the whole end. So you know, call it ten thousand dollars with everything in, or call it twenty, and you're still way way ahead with not having to travel one expert on location. Is that correct? Your your license is six thousand a year plus the Hololens of three thousand, so that's ten plus another ten to set it all up. So call it twenty thousand a year. If you look at that, it is a very small amount compared to even an hour of downtime on some machines. Yeah, absolutely. One comment that we hear all the time from customers is uh, they will tell us if we use uh, Remote Spark once or twice in a year, it's paid for many times. So um, we like that our customers use it more often, but. Uh, you know, some some are super happy to use it only once a month uh, because it's just it's going to be a highly critical situation or a, a one of those situations where the costs are running so high that uh, any way they can cut it down, it makes plenty of sense. <laughs> I mean, it, it just when you do the dollar figure announce, you know, and I think this is the one of the problems with virtual and, and augmented reality, mixed reality over the last couple of years. It's been this crazy hype cycle of, hey, look how cool this technology is. You can put the HoloLens on, you can you can see a machine and you can look at the holograms, look how cool it is. But nobody in business cares about how cool things are. That's nice for a minute. They go, that's great. But then when you start to say, oh, and by the way, it can save you tens of thousands of dollars a day. Every day you need this is a day you're going to save $10,000. And I think this is a, a wonderful way of positioning this technology. And the fact that companies like uh, Boeing and Lockheed Martin, the fact that they're realizing the benefits of it and not only realizing it but but also sharing it and allowing companies like cognitive spark and you to come on podcasts like mine and writing articles i think it's really starting to uh make it the awareness of this technology um around the world is starting to, to take off and it's going to be a matter of time before companies realize first of all the benefit second of all if they don't do it, they're actually at a competitive disadvantage. What would you say to companies that, that are saying, we're going to wait and see? What do you tell companies when they want to push this investment down the road a bit? Our message is always that uh, if they want to be ready for when uh, the market goes crazy with mixed reality, now is the time. It's not just a widget you buy. You buy a technology that will change the way you are doing your work. It changes the way we, we run business. It's the human element, really, and the process element that takes time to figure out, not the technology. So the sooner you can figure out what are those problems that uh, you will be facing when you try to scale, the more equipped you will be when it's time to do so. Is there anything else you, you want to um, share on kind of the adoption side of things? Yes, uh, there's one thing I'd like to share. There's a reason why Cognitive Spark is uh, doing probably better than most when it comes to sales and, and revenue. Part of it is that we developed a product that works really well, but also we really took the time to understand what are the customer's constraints. 
I'll give an example. There are three reasons why people pick us instead of uh, some of the other options on the market. So first of all, we are the only company that can do real 3D communication. So it's not a 2D communication. It's, it includes 3D elements. So we're still, as far as I know, the only company that can do that. The second is uh, security. So we baked in security uh, end-to-end right from the get-go. It's not an afterthought. And it's because customers told us right from the get-go, it's got to be secure. Otherwise, I will not be able to, to make it past my CISO. And the third point is uh, bandwidth. Uh, recently, I asked our, our director of, uh, of uh, customer operations, can you tell me how many of our customers are dealing with uh, bad or inconsistent bandwidth on the work site? She uh, gathered data and the response was 100%. So uh, Remote Spark is famous for being able to work at very bad bandwidth, like 256K. We can actually run calls at 128 sometimes. While the closest competitor we have are at probably 2 megabytes a second. Well, on ind- industrial sites, 2 megabytes a second is a luxury. It almost never happens. Uh, because the place is full of metal equipment, uh, there's going to be de- dead zones and so on. So 100% of our customers deal with that. And we bake that in again right from the get-go. So we have to get out of the lab environment where we have ideal bandwidth and stable bandwidth and get in the real world and see what people are facing. The uh, the mixed reality and uh, the XR field as a whole, sometimes we have tendency to just stay in our clean offices and not get in the field. I think that uh, the field as a whole would gain a lot by just having its different players talk to customers more often. I think it's interesting that when we build stuff in Metaverse, we do the same thing. We we have a iPhone 11 and the, the Samsung Galaxy 10, and we've got all the newest phones. And then we've got a collection of all of the phones back to uh, iPhone 5 and 6, and we test them on different bandwidths. This is vital. And you guys are focused on one device being the HoloLens, which technically uses a lot of bandwidth, but you guys have managed to make that uh, a non-issue, which is wonderful. And I, I think you definitely nailed the three things uh and it's funny because as you were talking about bandwidth (laughs) you cut out and (laughs) so we have to deal with this we have to deal with the fact that bandwidth comes and goes and especially with a a vr or an ar headset on your head you run the risk of making people uh nauseous if you don't uh do it properly so i think that's wonderful uh, that you guys have thought of that what is the most important thing that businesses can do right now to start leveraging the power of xr the most important thing to do is to just get started. I'll learn from it. When I mean get started is just not buying a few units and trying it out again in a lab environment. Get them to the field. Get them in the hands of workers that are going to be the, the end users and the adopters of that technology. And uh, listen to them. Listen to what they're going to tell you. <laughs> Being able to listen to those lessons learned early on is going to be what dictates the future success of uh XR initiatives and business as far as I'm concerned. Now, what is the best business case of all of the things that you've seen? What is the best business case, the one that drives the most value that you've seen in the last little bit? There are many that are pretty good. And uh, obviously, I like ours a lot uh, because we, uh, we, we have that clear ROI each time we're using it. But I think I would mention uh, something that we did with the Royal Canadian Navy. We developed our offering. So we put Remote Spark in a private cloud environment so that, uh, you know, if you have a Navy ship uh, at sea and you want to run a call between uh, a mechanic doing some work inside the ship and the ship's head engineer that is uh, on the front deck, you're able to run the call within the ship, even if you don't have internet connectivity at all. For me, 
the reason why like, I, I really like this one is that uh, there's the, the time of resolution being able to, in that case, not have production downtime might result in saving lives, uh, might result in a better outcome for, for that ship as a whole. So I think there's that emotional component to, to that use case, even though really remote spark is used uh, in that setting the way we use it anywhere else. This technology is saving lives. That's that's couldn't be more important. My last question, uh, Jan, is what problem in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Yeah, I can tell you a story about this one. Uh, we use that as inspiration here all the time. We all have people in uh, that we know, family or friends, that are an older generation of workers uh, that maybe didn't go to school as long, that are good at what they're doing. They're manual workers. Uh, but sometimes they feel left behind by technology. Uh, so digital transformation hasn't impacted the way they're doing the work. And uh, now we live in a world where, where change is, uh, is always faster and, and more often and more, more disruptive. You know, with the rays of AI and uh, disintermediation and automation and all those things, these people feel threatened. And uh, what I'd like to see happening with uh, mixed reality is that if we can empower those workers to not only stay relevant, but be even more relevant than before, just by getting them access to the right information and the right knowledge and the right experts at the right time in the right format, I think that we can serve millions, if not billions of people around the world with that technology. And it's all about making the humans shine. I don't want to see AI shine. I want to see AI work for humans. And I think that's what XR can do. Amazing. Well, that is a wonderful way to wrap up this conversation. Jan, is there any last words that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to thank you. I think it was a great chat. Uh, it's an exciting field. Uh, we'll see more and more companies do great things. So uh, my advice and my last word is feel free to experiment, try things out, uh, fail fast and uh, make it better. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was Jan uh, Simard from Cognitive Spark. You can visit cognitivespark.com. Jan, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks, Alan. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com 
and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.